Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Trader Podcast. My name is Wendy Sishi. And I'm George Mini. And we got a super interesting episode for you guys today. Something that George has spoken about many times, but I've actually never got an opportunity to pick your brain on it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so today we'll be talking about gray imports. Gray imports? Yes. Okay. Yeah, gray imports, which um, is kind of, um, you know, the industry, there's, there's you know, there's, there's theories. Um, so I want to know what your thoughts are in terms of what you've seen. And we're not talking about importing grey-coloured cars, yeah? No, no, no. No, not all. This, this is, is a uh, cheesy joke, my way. I can't <laughs> believe I even just did that. <laughs> uh, you said it, I'll be. That's okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a proper cheese, cheesy joke. Um, so maybe we should just start right there, uh, just to kind of define what a grey import is, and we'll take it from there. So in, from your understanding, what, what, what constitutes a car that is a grey import? Or grey import products, because it doesn't have to be cars, right? It can be... Really yeah, I mean, there was a there was a time where um, motorbikes, grey import mm. motorbikes, uh, superbikes, were uh, imported from Japan that were grey imports, and everybody wanted one because you couldn't get them in the country. Yeah, um, you know, so essentially, a grey import is a vehicle that shouldn't be in South Africa, mm. um, and is imported and in the country for another reason. Hundred percent. Besides being for consumers in South Africa to drive around our streets. Yeah. So if I had to define it, essentially it's a good that's been imported to a country through unofficial un- or unauthorized distribution me- methods. So with a car, it would be not through the manufacturer that's licensed yes. to be in here. It would be through another means. So it could be somebody who, you know, usually for legal, well, in in the case where it's in, in, in bulk, it would be somebody who's just importing a vehicle for lots of, Lots of vehicles that aren't available in the markets. Well, I mean, so so uh, if we if we call a spade a spade, um, vehicles come into the country and they pass through our ports. Yeah. And my understanding is that's that's where the um, <clears throat> where it goes goes a little bit awry. Is yes, it comes into the country legally as a vehicle that is passing through our country, passing yes. through our port. Yeah. On its way somewhere else. Hundred percent, and um, but it never leaves. It never leaves. Exactly, um, and there are some pros and cons to this. So, for instance, if you, okay, let me give you an example. What's the pro to an illegal car? Let's say there's a vehicle in the country that, let, let's say as, as a just a normal consumer, you really like a vehicle. So let's take um, I really like the Dodge um, Hellcats, for instance, uh-huh. right? The Challenger Hellcats, <coughs> or the Dodge Demon, rather. Um, let's say I want to own that vehicle, but it's not available in the country. You could always import that vehicle, and that. Is normal gray, right? It's just a normal. Yeah. So there are there are mechanisms, there are ways that you as a consumer can import a car. Yeah. Okay? It's very expensive to do, <clears throat> but you're more than likely not going to get the support of the OEM. Yeah. Like where's Dodge in South Africa? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. You know. So you're not going to get the uh, support of the OEM. You 100%. know. Like I'll give you an example. Um. A few people. I mean, a handful, I think. Uh, I'm not sure of the numbers. Imported um, a um, an electric car. A uh, I think it was the Ford Mach E. If I'm stand to be corrected, I'm not. Yeah, sure. the Mustang Mach E. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the Ford Mach E. I think it was. Anyway, I could be. I could be. I could be corrected. I mean, it might have happened with that car, but uh, one or two others as well. Where. Um, where the person wanted to get support from the local dealerships. Yep. Um, 
Now, remember, local dealerships are not owned by the OEM. Mm. They are franchised mm. um, in, in terms of the dealership is owned by an entrepreneur mm-hmm. who gets a license to sell yeah. those new vehicles for the OEM or on behalf of the OEM. And, uh, um, and this individual took their car, I think it was a Ford, I'm not sure, to get it serviced and I think you've got to get the car unlocked or something and the software has to be mm. and uh, and and should the OEM help? What do you think? Uh, I mean you would expe- as a customer you would expect the if you go to the, the, the dealership. So now you've imported this car. car yeah. It's not available yet, right? Yeah. You've imported this car I, I, by legal or illegal means. Yeah. And now and now the OEM is not geared up, the dealerships are not geared up to support that car. I don't think I don't think it's OEM's <coughs> responsibility. Um, so therefore, they shouldn't help. Specifically, I don't think it's the dealer's responsibility because there's no support for it. It wasn't bought in here for a reason. There's you know things that have to happen before. So now, so now, so now you take a car to the dealership, right? Yeah. If they touch that car, yeah, immediately they take responsibility. Mm. So I would say, don't touch the car. Yeah. You know, it's look at the electric car as an example. <coughs> 400 volt output. Yeah. Okay. Before an OEM is going to support an electric car, they have to have trained technicians, 100%. people that can work on the car, yeah. um, skills, tools, software, computers. All that stuff has to be trained within the dealership base and the OEM needs to have uh, technicians on, on the ground in order to support that electric vehicle. Mm. Because what's going to happen if somebody tinkers around on a 400-volt electric vehicle, they stand a chance of either damaging the car or themselves. So if you had to summarize, what are the biggest challenges with regards to why are gray imports so bad for any sort of market? Let's use the South African markets. In your, in your experience, what, have you, what do you think? What, what, what well, I haven't experienced a gray import, but um, just the logic tells me that um, that – Regulation is there for a reason. reason. It's there to protect the consumer and it's there to protect business owners. 100%. And it's there to create a market with a couple of rules that the market has to be, um, has to abide by. Okay. Now, the more onerous the regulation, the worse it is for uh, free markets. Yeah. The more relaxed the regulation, the better it is for free markets, but there could be risks in that. There could be risks for the consumer. There could be risks for the business. So <coughs> it is the government's um, duty to make sure they find the sweet spot of that regulation. Yeah. And in this instance, in terms of cars on our roads in South Africa, um, the, the sweet spot is there. Mm. That's you know the, the 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 thing we can criticize are the import duties on electric versus mm. uh, um, ice vehicles, but but further than that, grey import should not be on our roads because they are not supported by the OEM. It doesn't matter if you as one D um, want a car so badly and it's not in the country. Mm. That's not the reason to bring a car in. So there are a few reasons why great imports are in in the country. And you, you kind of touched on it right now. One of the, the biggest things is that the cost of the car usually can be rather a lot lower than um, you know, and it's it's in the native markets. Or if it had to go through the process of regulations, and because it doesn't have regulations, right? It doesn't have to go through the tax 
um, sort of scenarios. Well, you got to pay import duties if you import the car yourself. I mean, that, that yeah. kind of that still exists. I'm talking about the illegal gray imports, the ones who come here kind of through other means. Through other means. Well, I mean, um, if they're passing through our ports, right? Yeah. To go to another country, there's no import there. Yeah. So people are going to try and use that loophole. Hundred percent. So that's why most of them are here. Um, and according to some research, yes, yeah, so you know, we're kind of debating this earlier, but there's about 30 million vehicles in 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 the South on South African roads right now, and about 220,000 gray imports a year coming coming in and out. Um, you know, so it's about five percent essentially um, in terms of the cars that you see on the road. So South Africa doesn't seem to have five percent of the car park. Yes. Right. Yeah. But look at it this way: if we are selling, I'm just going to round the number, anywhere between four hundred and five hundred thousand new cars per year. Mm-hmm. And there are 220,000 coming in through this particular um, route. That's almost 50%. Yeah, that's about 40% loss. Loss. Uh, loss in terms of... Um, of uh, by OEMs. Exactly, yeah. that have That have put the mechanisms in place, that have, have support structures, etc. So, so 220,000, it's unfair, I think, to compare that to 13 million. For sure. You have to compare that to the number of new cars sold. For sure. Because... Yeah. That thirty million is every single car that's uh, that's, that's, that's been sold. That's, essentially. Well, yeah, it's all it's all the cars on the road. Yeah. Whereas those a large proportion of those two hundred twenty thousand could have been actually bought from our current infrastructure, sure. our current OEMs. Yeah, um, according to some research, it's it, it accounts to about a, around three point eight billion loss in terms of taxes for, um, you know, for the government and for for you know, I, I guess for the economy um, that we're losing each year as a result of that. Well, I mean, the so taxes the, 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 the taxes aside, it's yeah. um, it, you know it, it 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 takes away from the economy. It takes away from the economic vibrance mm. um, of the country and uh, and and all of the stuff that goes with that. Mm. It's just somebody trying to circumvent the system. Yeah, outside of the financial sort of situation, I mean, there's also the safety aspects. These cars are unregulated. Nobody knows they, you know, kind of exist. Um, so well, they become part of the cars you drive. That you drive, you probably have driven past one of these two hundred twenty thousand in the last, you know, a couple of months. Yeah, you um, wouldn't have known. And if something happens, I think that's where another issue comes in. Is if there's if it's an accident, um, there's so many things that can happen. You, now, how do you insure that exactly? Um, and do, does insurance even pay out if you had an accident with a grey import? Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. How do how does a grey import get insured? Hundred um, percent. And how does it impact your if you in that, that's, I'm sure your 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 insurer will probably cover for that. What, uh, what do you mean? If you're in an accident, if you're involved in an accident with the grey import vehicle, if uh, you're on the other side of the accident, yeah, yeah your insurance will cover. I mean, yeah, uh, sure. uh, if you if you're the third party in the accident, even if you cause the accident or are involved in, the insurance company doesn't really care what the other vehicle is. Mm. You know, it's provided you are covered, you you be, you should be fine. Um, and then another stat that, that was quite interesting is two hundred fourteen have have two hundred fourteen thousand grey imports have come into the board in the last twelve months and have not left. Well, that's that, the that's the, those are vehicles we're talking about, right? Yeah, and I think that's where the problem comes in is should we change the rules a little bit for how long a vehicle can be in the in the country? I don't think that that's the yeah I don't think that that's the challenge. I, is there so the question I suppose is is when the vehicle comes in through this route. And it doesn't leave. 
12 months is a long Is there other corruption yeah. elements going on where the yeah. car gets, for lack of a better word, naturalized into, system, into yeah. our system? Yeah. In which case it just becomes part of the fleet. Is yeah. Does that happen? You know, and maybe uh, maybe it's a good question to try and answer. For sure. I think there's lots to unpack here and we might have to, you know, come back to this point. But it is very interesting and... Do you think it's a problem if you had to just summarize? Do you think great imports are that big of an issue that the industry and consumers need to be yeah. really concerned? It's almost fifty percent. Yeah. Well, looks like maybe maybe it's thirty or forty percent mm. of uh, of the annual sales of mm. new cars in the country. Additional, yeah, yeah. Um, but they have a reason. I mean, people are taking them up for because they're cheaper. Makes a lot of sense. Though. No, I mean it. It could speak to. Um, Government regulation and and taxes. It could be, okay. There's a there's a bigger problem here, and and and, and maybe maybe it's the tax system. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know, but but it could it could speak to a combination of uh, of of factors because obviously these people that are that are bringing the cars in, they want the car. It doesn't make them, um, uh, it doesn't make them, you know. A, you're not bad for wanting something that's not here. Like, for yeah. instance, when a new Apple iPhone comes out and you're traveling overseas and you buy it there, right, mm-hmm. and you bring it into the country, um, is that a gray import? Probably. Yeah. You know. I mean, it would be. <laughs> By definition, it would be, yeah. I mean, I did it with uh, the first Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah. um, I was traveling to Australia. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in South Africa yet. Um, and I bought an Apple Watch in Australia. Yeah. Um, about 12 months later, it came to South Africa anyway. But uh, but I bought in Australia, you know. Yeah. So was my Apple Watch a grey import? Probably yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So uh, so, so so there so, are reasons. Well, reasons or, or, or I mean, I don't think my Apple Watch is going to have an accident and cause damage to yeah. somebody else on the road, and sure. uh, you know, hopefully not. But you know, cars are cars a big deal. Yeah. Plus, to be fair, to your points that you said earlier on, if something happens to your watch, you would not have the support. I wouldn't have the support. So yeah. I, ca- I can't. So there are pros and cons definitely to it. Yeah. Legal or legal, depending on, uh, you know. Um, but even if you do it in a legal way or, you know, you're not trying to do any criminal activity, there are going to be some drawbacks and some cons to a grey import. So definitely consider that. Moving on, George. So something that we've kind of spoken about a few times is the price of cars. Um, so I don't know if you've been looking at the price of cars, but you know, obviously the price of cars has been going up for a long time now. Um, and it's, it's getting to a point where a lot of people are getting concerned. Do you think the, the price of cars going up or the price of cars in general, do you think it's, um, going to be problematic at some points? Do you think it's getting to a point where it's, you know, not feasible? So there's this one theory that, um, during the pandemic, um, um, car manufacturers, um, obviously had the silicon chip problem, yeah. the silicon chip shortage problem. Um, supply was at an all time low. A lot of factories closed down, um, not closed down, should I say, stopped production. And, um, and, and manufacturers stopped what they call the push strategy, right? So quite often, like up to now, for, Decades and decades, uh, manufacturers would produce cars, put them out on dealer lots, and, you know, in the hope of a sale. And the sale used to happen. During the pandemic, silicon chip shortage, supply chain issues, blah, blah, all that stuff. Um, and uh, factories reduced production. Um, 
But OEMs, you know, and I'm talking about a, um, uh, some examples in the United States. Um, so OEMs um, may, still made profit. As a matter of fact, their margins increased. Yeah. Um, um, Post pandemic. Mm. And, and the reason was, in this one particular instance I'm talking about, the reason was is because when consumers then ordered cars, Mm-hmm. They ordered them with much more optional extras, mm-hmm. rather than um, rather than buying what's on the floor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the optional extras went up in yeah. terms of the number of op- optional extras that the the consumer ordered, which then put more margin in the car for the for the manufacturer. Yeah, so that's going to obviously push up the average price. Yeah, is sure. those optional extras? Um, is that a bad thing? So, so there's one theory that uh, that says that new cars are becoming um, part of a higher um, premium segment, mm-hmm. and the middle segment and lower segment are going to be the used car market is going to be for that uh, that particular segment. Mm. So, yes, it's a problem, but that, is it solved with used car? Is mm. I suppose the other question. So you've kind of touched on many things that I want to raise. <laughs> it's a bit unfair. <laughs> uh, so to your point, the average price in twenty twenty in two thousand nine was about five hundred fifty thousand rand for a brand new car. Um, in twenty nineteen was seven hundred thirty three. This is the average sticker price of cars, um, and then now it's around eight hundred forty four thousand, which may look like a lot, but when they did the research, they they, they you know. I'm agreeing with what you're saying, rather to, to your point. Um, basic is not so basic anymore. That's the first thing. Basic base model cars are not base model cars anymore. And that's and that's not because of an OEM push, right? No. It's because of consumers that have ordered the cars with the optional extras. Hundred percent. So the and consumers have pushed up the price. Yes, and also another thing that was was kind of picked up was people aren't buying base model vehicles anymore. Um, people are buying cars with a lot more, you know, they expect much higher than they used to be. Because um, it's a pull strategy. 100%. So it's not necessarily that cars are getting more expensive, it's just the cars are, one, getting better, and two, what's available just gives you a lot more tech. Um, there's a lot more in the vehicle than, than before. So I, I would put a different kind of um, theory on that. <clears throat> it's not about what's available. It's about what's orderable. Because yeah. now... Uh, um, dealership lots are not filled with base model vehicles that you go, oh, it's going to take me three months to order this car. I'm just going to take this base model. Yeah. Right? 100%. You know, like, okay, there are no cars available. You have to actually order. Mm. Now you start optional. Extra. Oh, oh, you want um, uh, you want heated seats. Kiana, ugh, it's an extra, you yeah. know, uh, five grand. Yeah. Or uh, um, uh, you sunroof. You know, and salespeople in dealerships were well, you know, selling these things too, but the consumer is also ordering them. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why this average price has gone up. This trickles down into the used car market. No, and then that trickles down to the used car market, which then services that mid and lower segment because as they come into the used car market, that fully specced car reduces in price because it's depreciated. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the good news is that cars are still being bought. So, uh, you know, it's... You you think that people are complaining and not buying cars, but used car. Yeah, e- economic demand, supply, and price will always correct itself. Yeah, it will always correct itself. Hundred percent. So before I leave you, George, obviously we've had three races now in the season. 
I thought you were going to get to this. Of I was course. hoping you were going to get to this. We never ever get to talk about it. So <laughs> <laughs> now we've got time. No, we have a little bit of time. So I wanted to know how are you finding the season so far? I am supporting Alonso this year. You doubling down on that? You're not going to change? I'm not going to change. For the balance of this year, win or lose, I'm supporting Alonso this year. And the reason is, is the strategy of Aston Martin yeah. is just so, for me, it's so genius. Okay, what so, strategy? The, 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 the copy strategy? Yes. So there's three things that I think to my mind. There's three things that I'm, I'm liking that I wish Ferrari would actually just yeah. like just copy. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So the first thing is they looked at Red Bull, the car. Okay. And a lot of what they've done from an aerodynamic point of view is a copy and paste. 100%. And I always say if you if you want to be the best at something that already exists, copy the market leader. Mm. Just yeah. copy. 100%. You know. <clears throat> Don't go and try and go against the grain because you have this new wonderful idea that might work. If you just copy the market leader and do it better, mm. you stand a chance. You stand a much, much higher, higher chance, chance of winning. Go and, yeah. <clears throat> look at look at what Samsung did. Look at all the other cell phone manufacturers did. Yeah, they looked at Apple. Ah, copy. I mean, in Formula One, though, that, that's a, that strategy that um, doesn't always work. We've seen it a few years ago. Well, that's if you copy something that's kind of on the on the on the on the decline but you can't argue with you can't argue with red bull's aerodynamics yeah you can't argue with it they it's are proven. so fast on those straights it's proven yeah i mean they what i think um like they get they get a second a lap more yeah, I think they're getting about 13 kilometers more than other teams right now exactly which is, which is insane on average per lap. and that's and that's not the engine that's aerodynamics yeah so that's the first thing they did so and the second thing um they did was they hired Alonso. Yeah. The person with arguably the most experience. No, easily the most experienced, yeah. The and the most versatile yeah. on that entire grid. Yeah. Is Alonso. I mean he's done the twenty four hour. He's done the uh he's he's done a lot of things in his racing career. Yeah. Including win Formula One World Champion. Hundred percent, yeah. So that's the second thing. That was ingenious. And all to school his partner, yeah. So, um, so, so, um, uh, who's the owner of Aston Martin? Um, uh, it's, I mean, it's Lawrence Stroll's dad, Lawrence Stroll. Lawrence Stroll, yes. So, Lawrence Stroll, obviously, now wants his son mm-hmm. to to win, yeah. But he recognizes that his son has probably not got all the experience he needs. Why not hire somebody that can teach mm. Lawrence Stroll? All of the ropes. Yeah. So those three things for me were ingenious because if Lance Stroll has what it takes to be a world champion, he will be a world, ch- world champion in that Aston Martin. Bezel was there. I mean, that didn't work out so well. So <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I think, this is just my own opinion, I think Vettel was in it for himself. Yeah. Whereas Alonso has got nothing to prove. 100%. There's that theory. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, so, one, you like the team, you like the drivers, I just, and you I like just, the strategy that the, the engineers have kind of... I've, I love the I love the, the, the off-the-wall different strategy that they have. Copy, mm. train the second driver, mm. let Alonso loose. It's been an interesting season so far. I mean, Ferrari's obviously, once again, there's some serious issues there. 
Um, but when are those issues going to go away? I have no idea what's going on with that team. It, it, it's when it's it it's it. I, I think it's I think it's when somebody that's actually not in that racing team stop controlling that team. Mm. There's it never works. Yeah, when you have someone that's not there every day in the mud. Yeah. Um, calling the shots, and I think that's what's happening with Ferrari. Yeah, for sure. Mercedes, we finally coming back. I think we we slowly getting better. Uh, definitely not as fast as you say. We like you're part of the team. I'm part of the team. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I must say, I'm I'm very impressed with yeah. uh, with Mercedes. We've come back. Um, come back. It's been tough. It's been a tough. I think it's been a tough time for Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, the last year was was horrendous. I almost uh, supported uh, Mercedes this year. Hey? I, know, I was like on the fence between <laughs> Alonso and Russell because yeah. I, I think Russell's done a really good job. He's he he's keeping Hamilton on his toes. No, I think he's. He's proven that he, you know, <coughs> he's definitely someone to, to watch. You know what? I'm I'm actually proud of Hamilton because <clears throat> he, because he's not winning. Mm. I haven't seen the same behavior out of him that we saw <laughs> in Verstappen. He's yeah. not like a spoiled child. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. I suppose you can't be a spoiled child if you're, uh, you know, multiple time world champion. He's done it all already. And oh, obviously, oh, he's done, he's done it all. I give, I give, I give Hamilton one compliment, <laughs> and you like. I run take with it. it. I'm taking it. It's been a long year. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all the time we have for today. But thank you so much for joining me, George. Thank and, you, uh, Wendy. Uh, we'll see. We'll see you guys next week. Go along, sir. <laughs>